Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians for me. Uh, let me set this up for you. If you weren't here last weekend, and, well, in person, <laughs> very few were, uh, didn't have a chance to get online with us, then please do that. Daniel Eric Groves was here. What a message in season. Um, he drove up from Katy, was with us on Sunday morning. It was nice. I had a break, but I, I didn't realize how much I just needed to be ministered to in that capacity. His message was just so spot on for all of us. If you heard it, then you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, then go back. If you already heard it, then go back. I, I tend to, something really strikes me a certain way. I listen to it over and over again. So I've already worn that one out. Go back to the archives and listen. A week before that, I shared a message that had this particular phrase, uh, for those who long his, for his appearing. That word appearing has stuck in me, wanting to experience the presence of God, the person uh, of Jesus in, in, in every capacity in my life. And so today kind of stems from that. Um, it began there. Now it has roots in these eight weeks that we've experienced. And then leading up to next weekend, when we kick off our in-person gatherings again, it is May 31st, which if you did not know, is Pentecost Sunday. So I think that's amazing that we're going to kind of lock in on Pentecost Sunday and kind of come back with in-person gatherings. Um, Pente means 50. So it's 50 days after the resurrection. There was an outpouring, another outpouring of God's presence and powers for the, for the life of every believer. And so it was when the Holy Spirit fell on the upper room on the day of Pentecost. So we're going to celebrate that next week. So make sure that you're a part of that. Going to kick off a series talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. So you want to be a part of that. So all that kind of works together. Two weeks ago, back to Easter and then looking up to next week, I really want to set you up in the time that I have left. And it really is, it is this sense of, I have this sense of where we are as as a church, maybe, um, uh, maybe as a country some way, looking at the news, and we got to be mindful that we don't overdo it on the news, right? We, we need to watch, we need to be in the Word at least as much, if not more, than we're in the news, right? Have you heard that? If you're going to watch this much news, you at least need to have this much of the Word. And so, uh, because we've got to build our spirit man back up, but um, in particular, I, I, don't, I don't make a lot of political statements and stuff, but I don't know how you feel about, and don't... <laughs> say either way, and you don't need to text it on the chat, how you feel about our current president. But can I tell you, I am thankful that he stood up and said, churches are essential. Houses of worship. So I don't care. I don't care what political party. I don't care what president would have stood. I would celebrate, give a shout out to any president, whatever party that would stand up and say that. And he said, we need more prayer, not less. So um, that's a big deal to me, not just because I'm a pastor, but because I think of where we've been as a country in these last eight weeks. I've experienced a lot of conversations, pro and con, good and bad, both sides of the issue in these eight weeks, talking about where we are as a faith community. Um, you know, the whole thing that we would understand is, is, did God do this? Is God in this? And faith, and where's faith at? Faith and fear. But one of the things that's been really difficult is to look at this idea of the, faith, uh, the church and our belief system being non-essential. And uh, I think it's because we're looking at things different. And I think because we've, we've kind of come as a culture to a certain place now and things have changed, we have the wrong view of um, our belief system. We have the wrong view of who we are as a church and as believers. I, I think part of that is our own doing and part of that's just the world that we're in. And so let me say it this way. Christianity is not just a cultural response to the world. Christianity is a committed relationship to God. And I think what we're seeing is this, this, this prev prevalent idea of judging Christianity based on 
a cultural response. Let me, let me say it this way. I think a lot of people look at Christianity as a way just to elevate the morality, their morality a little bit. And, and I'll go so far as to say, I think people will, will like to say that they're a Christian because they want to be seen as one of the good guys, if you will. I mean, well, I'm a Christian. And okay, well, what do you do? do we're going to do this. Well, I'm a Christian. I don't do that. And, and I know there's sincerity in, in a lot of people. And I, I can't speak to anybody's heart. But I think as an overall view, I think what we've seen happen is Christianity has been more of a cultural response to, I, I just want to, I'm going to be a door opener. I, I want to say good things. I'm not going to get caught up in all the stuff that people do. Um, I want to um, make sure that Make sure, maybe, I'm okay, I'm a Christian, but I cuss a little bit, but not as much as I used to, right? I mean, not me, that's a shirt. I don't know, that's just me. I, I, you know, I, I'm going to behave a little differently. Uh, I'm going to drive a little differently. Well, that's not me either, but, uh, you know, right? That's why I don't put the Tree Life sticker on my car. You won't see a fish on my car right there. We don't have Tree of Life on our church vans either, but, but anyway, so that's just so I can drive them. But um, there's this sense of, and I think the world judging, and even ourselves at times, are judging our belief system based on more of a cultural response to the world today than a committed relationship. And so I think Paul's addressing this in 1 Corinthians 15, and he's looking at a church in Corinth that finds themselves in the midst of, it's a, it's a big city, it's a modern city for the day, there's a lot of things happening in Corinth, and he's trying to get the believers focused on what's happening around about them. And so let me start reading uh, this morning in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, and we'll look at this passage of scripture. Here's the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Now, I would remind you, because we all need to be reminded at times, and I think what we're walking through today is a good reminder, or should help us remember why we believe what we believe. I remind you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received at one point in time, you thought this was the greatest thing ever, that you couldn't live without this, and which you stand on, you're trying to build your life on it in the midst of all this chaos and turmoil, and by which you're being saved, or salvation is still working in you. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain, unless you believed it's something else. I mean, you're struggling right now. Let me remind you why you believed what you believe. I'm going to tell you in just a moment, unless you believed it by something else. What is the foundation of your belief system? Let's, he's saying, let's be reminded of the foundation of our belief system. For I deliver to you as of first importance. Let me remind you of the most important thing in who we are, what I also receive. This is what I believe too, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Well, what's interesting to me is when you see those three phrases that he died according to the scriptures, and then it says, and then he was buried. Didn't need to say according to the scriptures because anything dead needs to be buried. And then he says, and rose again according to the scriptures. But he's basically talking about his death was a supernatural event because he's the only one that could die as a perfect sacrifice. So supernatural. His burial was just like everybody else gets buried, anything dead. And then his resurrection was a supernatural event. Interesting, Paul is reminding the church at Corinth of the most important things is we are to be a supernatural people. But I think at times we find ourselves because of life and whether life's going good or life's going bad, we find ourselves living a superficial Christianity instead of a supernatural Christianity. And I think that's what's being challenged at times in today's world, what we find. He goes on to say this, and that he appeared to Cephas. Cephas is the Aramaic word for Peter. Or actually, Cephas is the Aramaic word for rock. We know the Greek word for rock is Petros. So he's talking about Peter. He first appeared to Peter and then to the 12. And then he appeared to more than 500 people, most of whom were still alive at that moment in time, by the way. Those some have fallen asleep, verse seven. Then he appeared to James and then to the apostles and he appeared to many other people. But last of all, as to 
one untimely born, he's speaking of himself, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Now listen to what verse 10 says. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I love that. Paul's saying, man, I'm not worthy. I don't know why he did it. I don't know why he died. I don't know why he resurrected for me. I don't know why he appeared to me. I don't know why I have this opportunity to live different because I'm not a good person. I've been a bad person. Can I tell you that right there should make all of us shout amen because we are who we are by the grace of God. There's nobody perfect in here. We can't do enough and earn enough and whatever to be seen as someone uh, that is worthy of this relationship. It's just by the grace of God. I love that. I am what I am by the grace of God. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me, whether then it was I or uh, so we preach and so you believe. What Paul is speaking, I believe, here to the church in Corinth, what I want to share today Getting ready, looking back and then looking forward and getting ready for what's ahead of us is that we have to make sure that we're living a life that is rooted in the supernatural, not in the superficial. And I think that these moments help, help us examine or reveal where we are in our life. It's almost like uh, that, that idea that Christianity has just been something to kind of put us at a, at a different level and elevate, if you will, the morality instead of uh, finding its root in the power, in the supernatural. And Christianity is, is based and rooted in the supernatural more than the natural, more than uh, an approach uh, of the natural, but the supernatural. And so uh, over the process of time, Christianity can be more of a cultural approach um, that we can take to be good people. And what happens is we live a life then that comes looking at the things of God more superficial than supernatural. So I, I think Paul is addressing this with this group of people, this church here in Corinth, and uh, we need to look at this. So now 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus ascends to heaven. 10 days later, the Holy Spirit falls. And so that's what we're looking at next week, the, the day of Pentecost, the power of God's poured out on his people. But I, but I want to look at this in the, in the stand, standpoint of that, that resurrection power that happened wasn't just a historical event, but it's something that, that released power that continues to move and work. So 1 Corinthians, same passage, 15, 3 and 4. Let's take a look here. So Paul's saying to them, for I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received, that Christ died, we already mentioned that, but let me look at a different angle, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, past tense, that he was buried, past tense, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. Now understand this was written, in the original language was written in Greek. And if you look at the translation of this scripture in the Greek, what you see is when it says in verse three, you don't have to go there, but verse three says, died, that's past tense, buried, that's past tense, but raised, in the original, raised in the original Greek language is perfect tense or present tense. So if you were to read it how Paul wrote it, you would read it this way, he rises on the third day. And then to think of, how do you translate that then? Does it mean that he rises every third day? Well, you would be more theologically correct according to how Paul wrote it in the Greek to say that he rises every day. So he died, past tense, was buried, past tense, but he's rising today. He's rising every day, all day, especially likes to rise in the middle of your challenge. He especially likes to rise in the middle of your difficult circumstances. So when you look at the, the perfect tense of something, what you're doing is the perfect tense is used to describe something that started in the past, but continues in the present. So as Paul wrote it, he says, yeah, he died. Yeah, he was buried, but he's still rising. 
Come on, somebody. He's still rising today. He's still rising in my life. So Christianity is not based on just a historical fact about him rising 2,000 years ago. It's based on the fact that he's still rising today. His power is still rising. His grace is still rising. His love is still rising. His mercy is still rising. His hope is still rising. His peace is still rising. His strength is still rising. His power is still rising in my life today. It's a supernatural Christianity, not a superficial one. It is based on a committed relationship, not a cultural response. And I love that. He's risen, but he's still rising. And because he's still rising, we're still growing. He's rising, which means we believe he's active in our ordinary everyday lives today. Listen, when you lost your job, he's still rising. When you got laid off and furloughed, he's still rising. When you've been through a divorce, he's still rising. When you lost a loved one, he's still rising. When the doctor gave you a bad report, he is still rising. The resurrection happened 2,000 years ago, but it keeps changing us. Not just from the standpoint of we have an opportunity for new birth, but new birth gives us an opportunity to still being changed, that, that he's still rising in our life. A couple of weeks ago when I talked about um, looking longing for his appearing, I talked about um, the birth of my oldest daughter. It would be the same for my youngest daughter, but Tuesday of this past week, uh, my oldest daughter Callie celebrated her 21st birthday. That's weird as a parent. Can I just tell you? Yeah, I say a lot of, oh my, I heard, oh my gosh, heard through your mask. Oh my gosh. Right, I'm with you on that one. It's like, man, she's 21, what happened? And uh, I remember this, uh, this picture in my mind. I shared some things that two weeks ago, and, and let me pick up the story. Is I remember when Jessamine and I were taking Callie home, and uh, we've been in the hospital just a few days, and I pulled the car around, and she's waiting on the curb, and, and a nurse is there to help her, and the door, back door is open, we get out, and we get this car seat in Jessamine, and I start driving away, and I look in my rearview mirror, and tears are just running down Jessamine's face. I'm like, I pull over real quick. I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? Did we leave Callie on the curb? Did we forget her car seat? We don't know. And she's like, no. She goes, now what are we going to do? Now what are we going to do? And I start crying. I don't know. I thought you knew. I mean, what are you talking about? What are you going to do? And can I tell you, I, I, I remember the moment when I held Callie in my arms and just tears came to me and I thought, oh my goodness, thank you, God. I need you. And then we're driving away. Oh my gosh, tears again. I need you, Lord. Can I tell you, I remember she turned to teenage, to teenager. God, help me. We need you. 16, help me. We need you. 18, 21, help me. 21 that night. Help me, Lord. We need. Can I tell you, we're still growing. Her birth happened 21 years ago, but we're still growing. The resurrection happened 2,000 years ago, but he's still rising. He's still changing us. He's still changing us. He's rising up in our life every day. And so we have to keep that in our mind in the midst of our difficult situations, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a financial crisis. Guess what? He's still rising. I love that idea about him. Paul's doing his best in writing these scriptures to this church. They're in a place where there's so many distractions. So many things are happening in Corinth. There's so many other religions. There's so many other philosophies. So many other belief systems. And Paul says, and Paul says this, if you don't believe me, he appeared to a lot of people. He says, so look at this way. He's still rising or he's still appearing. He's still working. And so Paul says, if you don't believe me, he appeared to a whole bunch of people, not just me. I'll just take my word for it. Look at verse five. He says this, and that, and that he appeared to Cephas, meaning Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 at one time, most of whom were still alive, though some had fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all his apostles. And then he appeared to me. And we know he also appeared to both Marys. He appeared to other people as well. Some he appeared to groups, some to individuals. So what Paul's saying is, if you don't believe me, it's what he does. He appears, he rises, he's still doing that. It's what he does. We have to live that way. We have to believe it. 
And our belief system is not just a cultural response to the time that we live in. It's a committed relationship to the one that's still rising in our life. And so if you live out of or you want to live out of that committed relationship that he's still rising perspective, let me give you a few things that will happen. Here's the things that Paul saw. This is what he's explaining. He said, let's take a look. I want to take a look at what happened to Paul. And understand Paul was originally called Saul and he wasn't a nice man. In fact, his mission, he was so religious or he had such a religious mindset that anything outside of that he felt was wrong. And so Christ followers did not live the religion that Paul and, and, his, and the people that uh, he walked with did. So they were persecuting the Christ followers, Paul. They were even killing, imprisoning them. And then one day Jesus appeared to Paul, Saul, changed his name to Paul, and it, he was on his way to persecute or kill Christians but Jesus appeared to him. Let's take a look at verse 10 here. Here's what he, he, he Paul, Paul, who he was, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Even despite all that, unworthy, I'm the least of the people he should have ever appeared to, but I am who I am today by the grace of God. You know, at one time, Paul was talking about, I get my worth from God. Now, some of us today, the challenge is some of us get our worth for so much. Where are you looking to get your worth from? At night when you lay your head down on the pillow, what does it for you? Is it, is it the job that you have? At least things are not going, but at least I have a good job. Is it the house you live in? Is it, is it you have good kids? Is it, is it the money that you make? Is it the car that you drive? Because there's so many things that we associate our approval to or our value to. And Paul says, I just, I am who I am by the grace of God. I mean, for you and I, it might be different. I don't know. It's just funny in the world that we live in today. There's so many things that we associate our value and our worth to. You know, hey, if you're down 20 pounds, you, you know, hey, man, I'm down 20 pounds. I'm, you know, I'm worth that. You know, no one goes on their social media and says, my self-worth is based on my weight. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, you know, we don't do that. But yet those things impact us. My self-worth is based, based on my education. My self-worth is based on my money. We won't ever tell anybody that, but a lot of us live that way. My self-worth is based on my social media, how many likes I get. So we get more and more crazy with things to get more and more likes, and we're driven by that. I mean, I can understand this to a bit because I, I feel like sometimes, like, I, I know the seven or eight weeks of people streaming online services, well, how long did they stay on? Well, they kind of only stay on this long. Well, that's just the time that we do praise and worship. Is anybody staying on for the message? Just, can you tell if someone just logs on for the message and stays for the message? Right? I can't get my self-worth from that, right? And so Paul's saying, I'm not basing my self-worth on any of that. I am who I am by the grace of God. And I love that. If you are in a committed relationship, you'll find your worth and your value, your, your approval in him. And aren't you tired of chasing or pursuing approval through other things and other means? That's a superficial Christianity, not a supernatural one. That is a cultural response, not a committed relationship. And look what happened to Paul he found his value. He says, I, I am who I am by the grace of God. That's amazing to me because of what we do and pursue to find value and acceptance and approval. And when you find yourself on one of the, 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 the days where everything that can go wrong does, then Jesus, the one who adds worth to our life, gives us an identity. Not based on who we are, but based on who he is that is unshakable. Because he loves me and his love never changes. His love keeps rising. His love keeps rising in me. His grace keeps rising. His goodness keeps rising. His forgiveness keeps rising. And then as Paul says, we are who we are by the grace of God. That's where we find 
what we need. So Paul goes on to say, he says, I worked harder, right? He says, I worked harder than anyone else. And what he's saying there is there's days that you'll work hard. I mean, like Christianity is hard work. Have you ever heard the saying that any dead fish can float downstream, but it takes a live one to swim up it? It's not easy going against the flow. It's not easy going against, you feel like, you feel like man, I feel like I'm swimming up against the current of the world. You are, or you should be. And Paul was acknowledging here, says, but, the, but not I, but the grace of God. In those moments when you feel like you're swimming against the stream, against the current, Paul say, that's when his strength is still rising in you. His strength is still rising in you. Has there ever been a time that you've come through something and someone says, man, I don't know how you made it through that. And now, I, I don't think I could have walked through that, what you walked through. And at first you're like, really? What, was that that bad? And then you're like, yeah, now that you say that, I don't know how I made that. Or, Come on, somebody, I don't know how I made it through that. You know what it is? It's the grace of God that's still rising in you. It's the strength of God that still rises in you. It's in those times in your committed relationship that you can draw on the strength of God that's rising up in your heart and your life. That's a committed relationship, Paul says. That's those moments and Paul had some moments. He got beaten, he got shipwrecked, he got whipped, he got all stoned, he got all kinds of things were happening to him. And he felt God's energizing him in those moments. In other words, on the days that you're feeling or going upstream, God has supernatural energy for you. And then he says in verse 11 at the end, and guys, we put verse 11, when it, whether it was I, they, they being Cephas, Peter, or James, we preached and you believed. But he's saying, basically he's saying this, I can't remember who said what or when. I don't know if it was my preaching. I don't know if it was Peter's preaching. I don't know if it was James preaching, but here's what he says, but it doesn't matter. I don't need credit. I don't need acknowledgement for that. It doesn't matter. What Paul's talking about here is my security isn't who I am, who I am in God. Is anyone tired of running after constant approval? trying to find security and approval in other people. Can you imagine being one who doesn't need the credit? Can you imagine being one who doesn't need the approval of other people? Can you imagine being secure? Here's what I know, secure people add value to others. Secure people add value to others. Can you imagine if Christianity wasn't our cultural response but our committed relationship and then we get our self-worth for Jesus because it's rising in us and then we have supernatural energy during the difficult times because it's rising in us and that we're secure people and we can add value to others because it's rising in us. That's what Paul says what happened to him after Jesus appeared to him. And now maybe you think that he won't appear to you. Then here's the question. Well, is he going to appear to me? Because I don't know that he will because of what you've done. Have you ever heard someone, I've had people tell me this. You know what, Pastor, I'd like to, you know, I meet him somewhere or whatever. You know what, Pastor, I'd like to come to your church. But man, if I showed up at your, your church, the place would burn down. <laughs> it's like that. Really? I mean, I just, okay. I'll take that bet. I'll bet you a hundred bucks and I'll put it towards missions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. um, have you ever people like, yeah, I'm so bad. I don't know what would happen if I came to that place. What? I don't think anything would happen. I think God's big enough, but something in us sometimes feels like we're not, we're not, we're not that worthy or that can never happen to us. He won't appear to us because of what we've done or because of what we're, who, who you are. It's easy to believe I can't experience all those things of Jesus rising up in my life because of what I've done. Well, I love Paul's writing right here because I think he addresses those when he talks about the three different people. He talks about himself, he talks about Peter, and he talks about James. In closing, let's take a look real quick because I know a lot of us probably find ourselves in, well, I can't experience that in my life. He's not gonna appear to me. I don't know if it's gonna rise up in me because of what I've done. Well, first of all, he mentions Cephas. Cephas means, in Aramaic, it means rock. In Greek, Petros means rock, means Peter. So Peter is a follower of Jesus. We know that. 
He was a follower of Jesus. He was a rough, tough guy. He had a big mouth. He liked to get in some trouble, it seemed like. We probably can relate to that. Um, he was dedicated. He was a follower. And when things got outside of his control, things were different. The Bible says he abandoned Jesus. But it's interesting to me because when you talk about Peter, we talk about him like he was, he was on Jesus' ministry team. I mean, we have, Peter would be like on staff. Are you on, Je- are you on Jesus' staff? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a staff pastor on Jesus' team, right? I mean... I'm an evangelist too. I do a lot of his preaching. I, I do some stuff with Jesus. I've been with Jesus for three years. He was one of the ministers. And I don't know if that means anything to you today, but I, today I, I know there's people watching and you are one of the faithful ones. Matt talks to people all the time. You were a faithful follower of Jesus and, and you grew up in church. I mean, you were in church every time the door was open. I was in church. Man, I used to, my old church, man, I used to lead small groups. In my old church, you know what? I used to, I used to sing and lead worship. In my old church, you know, or here, you know what I used to do? I used to, I tithed all the time. And I would serve the mega distribution. I'd be the one that would be there. Every time the door was open, I was at church. You know what? I've been in church my whole life. I went all through the Sunday school classes. I went through confirmation. I did all that. I've been baptized. You know, I've been at church all my life. I've served. I've prayed. I paid my tithe. I did it all. But then something happened. He just didn't show up. He just didn't do what I thought he was going to do. And, and now it's just kind of walked away a little bit. Well, that's exactly where Peter was. He was on Jesus' ministry staff. I mean, he was preaching. And at some point in time, because things were out of his control, what happened, he abandoned him. But here's what I like what Jesus did. When Jesus came to find Peter after the resurrection, he found him. Peter went back to his old life and found him fishing on a boat, went back to his old job. But Jesus didn't come to confront Peter. He came to comfort him. He didn't say, what are you doing? Why'd you go, all I invested in you? You went back to your old job again? Come on, what's going on? He didn't do that at all. What did he do? He made him breakfast. And can I tell you, that tells me also, I just want to encourage you. Those that, pe- those that Jesus loves the most are breakfast people. I just, all right, so that's why I eat at seven. I even have breakfast at dinner sometimes just because I want to stay in that place. But he came and provided breakfast for Peter. In other words, he brought him comfort. He didn't confront him. He comforted him. He went to find him and he comforted him. He didn't show up and just give him a hard time. He restored him. You don't think Jesus can appear to you because you used to be a follower? You used to be involved in church? Well, you're on the list. You're among the people on the list. And they talked about James. He said James and and James was the half-brother of Jesus and he was younger than Jesus, of course, and he was the half-brother. Jesus, his, I mean, James's older brother said he was God. How could you? I mean, what are you going to think? I have an older brother. He used to act like he was. <laughs> God, no. Treat me that way. But I, I know Jeff. I know Jeff. He's a great pastor, but I know Jeff, right? And so James can say, right? Seriously? The son of God? Really? You're my older brother. I lived with that guy. Why are all these people gathering? How can thousands of people show up in these crowds? I lived with them. Hey, I know him. I've lived with him. If you only knew what I knew. Well, Jesus was without sin. And I think sometimes that part of our, part of our life and, and why we find ourselves at a place that we don't think that Jesus will, will have that appearing, that experience in our life is, is familiarity. Sometimes familiarity can be one of the greatest enemies to our walk with God. I know all that. See, I know what happens. You know what? I know what happens in church. Been in church my whole life. I could tell you they're going to sing this many songs, this many slow, this many fast, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. I'll tell you all that. They're going to do this. I've been in church my whole life. Or you know what? I know what happens. And so those mega churches and stuff, hey, here's what they're all, let me tell you what they're all about. See, I Googled it. I say, have you ever stayed up and watched late night TV? Don't. I say, up those guys selling that Miracle Pond water? Don't. We're not going to do that. I say, up there, I know what they're all about. They're a bunch of hypocrites. 
They're just trying to get money. I know all that stuff. Sometimes familiarity will keep you from experiencing what God has for you. How many times have we talked to somebody? It's like, yeah, I know all that. Did you read this article? And all they're doing is looking at negative art. Can I just tell you, I don't blame some of that. Because I don't blame people sometimes because people in my, my position have abused that. That's between them and God. But listen, sometimes familiarity can keep you from experiencing what God has for you. You know so much that you can't believe. You've seen enough, you've read enough, you've heard enough, and you say, this is not for me. I'm not about organized religion. And you know so much that you can't believe. And that was James. Seeing big crowds, seriously, I grew up with him. He was so familiar that you can't feel the real Jesus. And there have been a lot of embarrassing things, again, to help people feel that way. And I wish that there wouldn't have, but there is. But as familiar as you may be, you're exactly who he wants to appear to. So a follower that abandoned him, someone who was familiar that mocks him. And then you have Paul himself. Paul was a man who fights him. And Paul was originally Saul. And Saul was one who opposed the message of Jesus. He was so opposed to the message of Jesus that he fought against it and he imprisoned children and women and he killed men. He fought against it. Saul said, no, this is wrong. This message is wrong. There's other messages out there. There's a better way. He fought against it. And that's why he writes, I'm the least. I'm unworthy. I persecuted the church. He shouldn't have done it for me. Are you a former follower? Are you a familiar doubter? Or are you so far from God that you've even, you even fight against him? You fight against him. I don't want anything to do with God. I believe for something else. I stand up in another philosophy. I stand up for another fight, for another religion, but I will not believe that. Are you opposed to it? And I know that in the name of God, Christianity has gotten a bad name, right? I mean, some of the some Christians are some of the meanest people that you know, and it seems like Christianity has created so much division. Christianity has created so much racism. Christianity has created so much ju- judgment. You know what? I believe Paul thought the same thing when his name was Saul. And he said, no, that's wrong. And then Jesus met him. Jesus appeared to even the one who fought against him, fought against his message, and changed his name from Saul to Paul. How bad is it? in your life. Because my guess is all of us are probably on this list. We don't have a room full of people in here, but the people we do have, there's a Paul in here, there's a Peter in here, there's a James in here at some point in time. All of you watching at home in your living room, yeah, there's a James, there's a Peter, there's a Paul. Let's see, we've all found ourselves at this sometime. But as Paul wrote, let's remember what is most important. Jesus died and Jesus was buried. Then Jesus is still rising. Jesus is still appearing. And he's looking for the Pauls or the Sauls and he's looking for the Peters and he's looking for the James. And if he'll appear to them, then yeah, he'll appear to you. We serve a good and faithful God. Amen. My heart, my hope in sharing this message is moving forward, looking ahead to this next week celebrating the day of Pentecost and power again that was released for the believers to live a supernatural life. That we're not here for a superficial Christianity. We're here for the supernatural. We're not here for a cultural response to our world today. We're here for a committed relationship to the God of the universe and to live our life in a way that reflects that. And so if you're here for today or you're watching us online and you cannot remember a moment in time that you gave your life to Jesus, that's where it begins. It began And know that he died for you and then was buried, but then he came out of the grave so his power could be released and still rise in you. His forgiveness is still rising. 
His goodness, his grace, his mercy is still rising today. And we're just going to say a simple prayer. I just want to encourage you, if you've never received Jesus as Savior and Lord, you cannot remember a moment in time that you invited him in, then today is your day. Maybe you think you did as a kid, you're not sure. You can be sure today. Maybe you've already prayed this prayer and you would say, you know what, I need to, I need to get back on track. I need to be, as Paul was saying, reminding. Now that I'm reminded, I need to make an adjustment. And maybe that's you today. I'm going to pray a prayer of commitment here at the end. And wherever you are, whether you're in this room or you're at home, I simply want you just to own this. I want everybody to pray it out loud with me, repeat it after me, but mean it from the bottom of your heart. When you do, God will be God to move in your heart and your life. But I want to encourage you, just own it. You can say it out loud or repeating after me. I give enough time. I plan on giving enough time in that. You can respond. Or you can just own it in your heart and just speak it to God. But let's all pray this prayer together and let God move and work in us. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son. Sent to this earth, to die on a cross and to pay for my sin and then rise again in victory. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for rising again so I can be free. So Jesus, I ask you now, come into my heart, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Savior and Lord now and forever. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, everybody. Hey, all heaven's rejoicing right now for all the changed lives, and we celebrate with you. We are so blessed that, know know this, that he's still rising. He's still rising in your life every day, all day, especially when you need him most. He is a good and faithful God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.